Broadcasting around the world from the desert metropolis of Phoenix, Arizona, this is The Dividing Line. The Apostle Peter commanded Christians to be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us, yet to give that answer with gentleness and reverence. Our host is Dr. James White, Director of Alpha Omega Ministries and an elder at the Phoenix Reformed Baptist Church. This is a live program, and we invite your participation. If you'd like to talk with Dr. White, call now at 602-973-4602 or toll-free across the United States, it's 1-877-753-3341. And now with today's topic, here is James White. And good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is for you. Welcome to the Dividing Line. We just barely made it today. I'm very thankful for our very <laughs> tenuous um, uh, uh, backup solution of online instant uh, fix stuff that we have set up. We tried to start the pre-feed. Uh, it wasn't working. And so you go in channel and you ask someone in Canada uh, to see if the fellow who runs the server in Nova Scotia is online on another service. And you get a message through that way. <laughs> uh, red alert. Did, red alert. Red alert. Shields up. Did did CBS start this way? That's <laughs> uh, just that's uh, hilarious, I tell you. But uh, Pete to the rescue, uh, the famous Nova Scotian, uh, who is a superhero in his own mind, uh, <laughs> came flying. <laughs> oh, man, we need to... We need to have Angel uh, 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 draw a picture of Pete as a as a superhero server fixer guy or something like that, because that's the only reason that you're hearing my uh, <clears throat> sonorous tones this morning is <laughs> because uh, Pete came to the rescue and uh, we can't guarantee that it's going to continue working. However, because uh, <laughs> it could it could stop right now for all we know. But hey, you know uh, that's that's how we do stuff around here. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. People wonder why we we don't you know do a lot of money begging and stuff, and it's not because we're rich or anything. It's just because this is sort of how we do things. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Anyway, uh, before the uh, program uh, began, I was uh, playing some music and well, s- some stuff, <laughs> and I I thought you know what we we normally do so much uh, really serious stuff around here. That um, <clears throat> that uh, I'd like to spend a few minutes at the beginning of the program today uh, with doing something a little fun. It's been a long time since I uh, played on the air. We have played them on the air uh, in the past. It's just been a while since we did so. Um, the the tunes of my good friend Chris Arnzen a number of years ago. I would say what was this? Uh, about six years ago now, I think. Uh, <clears throat> I, we were he and I were at a a youth retreat, and they would have a talent show, and of course you had to come up with skits and things like that. Well, Chris Arnzen is a comic genius. That is the only way to describe Chris. Really. If he was in the the secular field, he he'd be in Vegas, you know, he'd be on Letterman and Leno. the The guy is just absolutely positively hilarious. And uh, some of you have seen some of his uh, comedy routines, the beginning of the Great Debate series in Long Island. <clears throat> and uh, so for the uh, uh, that particular talent show. Uh, he and I, first we did a song, and I have it, but I'm not going to play it. <laughs> he and I did a song, a very short little song about eschatology, which we'll, we'll never see the light of day. But anyway, then I sat down, and lo and behold, he had two songs to sing. And we just about died. He, he takes these old songs, these old tunes, he goes and gets the, the karaoke tapes, and then he writes new words. And <clears throat> what he did later on, since we just, everybody was begging to have those songs, is a few weeks later, um, he recorded them in a uh, 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 radio studio and mixed them together. And so if you've got, you know, 
total recorder or something, and you want to, yeah, the reformed Paul Shanklin. That's that's a good way of putting it. Uh, if you want to record it or something, you better fire up Total Recorder uh, because uh, I'm going to play for you what uh, what Chris produced. And he starts off with an introduction, and uh, then he he provides these these two wonderful songs. So what I'll do is I'll play those two with the introductions, and then I'll play the actual recording of the first time he performed one of the two, and you can hear what it did to all of us. It's just absolutely hilarious. So something unusual on the uh, dividing line today. Here is, uh, oh, and, and Chris named himself. Uh, he called himself uh, Party Hardy Marty Luther and the Protesters. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what's on the, uh, the tape or the CD that he sent to me, is Party Hardy Marty Luther and the Protesters. And so here's Party Hardy Marty Luther and the Protesters, and you can figure out the rest of it from here. <clears throat> During the 16th century, the Church of Rome reached its height of power as well as its depth of debauchery, greed, and corruption. One of the most vile and greedy puppets of the papal throne was a member of the Dominican Holy Order named Johann Tetzel. Tetzel sold indulgences to the spiritually ignorant and enslaved laity, warning them that this was a necessary means to purchase the souls of their deceased loved ones out from the torments of purgatory. A limerick became popular in that day as it went when a coin in Tetzel's coffer rings a soul from purgatory springs. This abuse of papal power through pilfering the poor, pious, and peasant people did not go unnoticed by a young German Augustinian monk who was once one of Rome's most faithful and loyal subjects. Outraged by the level of greed and wickedness that the church sank to, this monk nailed his protest to the practice of indulgence selling to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, hoping to spark a debate with the intelligentsia of Rome. The hammer blows as these 95 theses were nailed to the church door were like cannon fire heard round the world and ignited the blaze of a holy inferno that is still burning brightly today. This holy inferno is the Protestant Reformation. That Augustinian monk who ignited it was me. Hello, I'm Marty Luther, and this is my story. Oh yeah, Heinz Great Reformer. Reforming the churches that are known for. I made my protest before Zwingli and all of the rest. Nailed it up to the Wittenberg door. Oh yeah, I'm the great reformer. Reforming the church was my goal. But the Pope threw me out like some bad sauerkraut, flushed me right down his Vatican bowl. I would not indulge that dirtbag Johann Tetzel, so they threatened to twist my spine up just like a pretzel. Yeah, I'm the great reformer. The Pope put a price on my head, but while out on the run, I married a nun, sure beats living with guys who bake bread. That's where the bold guys wearing robes, baking bread. My lady, sweet Katie, gave up her old habit. She once dressed like a penguin, now multiplies like a rabbit. Yeah, I'm the great reformer. I turned Texas church upside down. Tell those greaseballs that trend, centuries after they came and went. I'll be dead, but that won't keep me down. 
They wanted to slice me and dice me and feed me to the Papal Palace puppy dogs. But I'll bet you that in the 21st century that I'm... Here's one for the big man in the big hat in the big chair in Rome, the Pope. I dedicate this to him. me around like your paper punks. You don't own me. I'm no longer one of your beer-bellied monks. So don't tell me what to do. And don't tell me what to say. And don't tell me when to kneel. And don't tell me how to pray. You don't own me. I'm not just another one of your toys. You don't own me. I won't ring your bell just like your altar boys. So don't tell me what to do. And don't tell me what to say. And don't tell me when to kneel. And don't tell me how to pray. The solar spectora is my way. And solar gratia, and solar fide. And solus Christus is my king. So I won't bow to kiss your ring. You don't own me. Go read the note that I nailed to your door. You don't own me. I'm not taking your paper bull anymore. So don't tell me what to do. And don't tell me what to say. And don't tell me when to kneel. And don't tell me how to pray. Cause solar spectacular is my way and sola gratia and sola vite and solus Christus is my king so I won't bow to kiss your ring I might be a dunghill that's covered with snow but I know when I die that to heaven I'll go that's why I'm a Christian warrior to defend soli Deo Gloria you don't own me. Ah, hello, there we go. <laughs> Little delay there through the network as we as we communicate. <clears throat> we'll need to do a direct connection type of thing sometime, something like that. Uh, so then, now like I said, we that was what he did uh, in the radio studio. But when it was done live, it was um, it was a little different, and uh, because the Chris is a big guy, okay, and he can do facial expressions like you just wouldn't wouldn't believe, and so here he is with a boombox, and he's written all these words out on on this yellow notepad, and you've got to. Already people are laughing because we've been doing funny things, and people in the channel have been saying, "Hey, you need to play the one that, that you and Chris did." And and since I have complete control of what I play, no. And uh, but uh, we had just done that, so everybody's already cackling as it is. <clears throat> and so this was actually the second the second song we just heard. But here's uh, here's what it sounded like when it was you, you know the the studio versions versus the live versions. There's always a you know a big difference between the two. Uh, here is the live version uh, of You Don't Own Me. Uh, this is from Tuscarora Conference Center in Pennsylvania. Like I said, I think this was about 1999, maybe 98, somewhere around in there. I, I forget which one it is. 
And uh, here's uh, here's here's how it sounded when it was when it was first performed. This is a song that I You don't own me. Don't push me around like your paper punk. You don't own me. I'm no longer one of your beer belly monks. So don't tell me what to say. Don't tell me when to meet. Don't tell me how to play. Tuscarora. That was <laughs> uh, somebody in channel was saying, "Yeah, it's too bad there aren't more Reformed Baptists with a sense of humor." <laughs> uh, <clears throat> now, please, 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 do not flood us uh, with requests. Uh, we, we've already had our our one. Um... <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I'm I am saving a comment I just saw in channel and sending it to Chris and that'll be the last time that person ever gets to talk with Chris Ironson because that's <clears throat> that that's that that that's all there is to it. Uh, anyway, there's uh there's a uh, party hardy Marty Luther and the protesters uh from Tuscarora 1998-1999 somewhere around in there. I don't remember exactly which one it was. And uh <laughs> No, my song with uh my song with Chris was not nearly as as good as uh, his was because we didn't have a, a sound we didn't have a background track. He had spent a lot of time on those, and in fact, I, I just re- just realized he told me he wrote those one night while I was preaching. <laughs> and, and but he wasn't there because it had been snowing. Uh, that's that stuff that falls out of the sky. I live in Phoenix, and I have to explain it to people. But it had been snowing, and he couldn't get to where I was going to be speaking, and uh, so. He didn't make it, and uh, so he spent the night writing, writing those two songs, and that's uh, <laughs> lots of fun. Eight seven 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 five three 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 four one. For those of you sitting there going, I can't believe that I tuned in to listen to this, um, but uh, hey, you know what? Uh, you know what? We'll we'll actually get complaints. We really will. We'll we will uh, we will get complaints about uh, the the fact that we did something funny, just like we get complaints when Angel draws a, a cartoon and if you want to complain all i can say is get a sense of humor you will live longer 
and sunsets will be prettier and sunrises will be prettier and and life will be your face will not crack if you smile really honestly it won't some of you seem to think that it will if you smile there's there's something unbiblical about smiling you know now yeah, there's there's people like that <clears throat> so anyway <laughs> 877-753-3341 believe it or not dis- despite my best efforts we actually have phone callers <laughs> you, uh, are these folks listening i mean you know <clears throat> yes i want to be the first phone caller immediately after party hardy marty luther and the protesters at <laughs> uh, the transition here is going to be difficult but i am your professional broadcast uh, broadcast um, professional, professional broadcast professional, and we will uh, we will make the transition successfully. I will simply have to ask uh, uh, Charles up in Utah to work with me here. Charles, we we need to work together uh, to make this. Do you sing or dance or anything, Charles? Don't tell me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was very. I was caught up. Really. Oh, it is. It's hard not to be, isn't it? I was swept away. <laughs> In fact, I'm urinating blood right now. Oh, no. Okay. That's probably more than you wanted to know. I, well, it was. It was much more than I wanted to know completely. Actually, good old uh, good old Chris um, has, i, I got to tell, I don't know if you've ever heard it. And I don't, is it on the, hey, Rich, is, is, is Chris's introduction to the first debate on the tape? I don't remember, because that was, that was before we started doing them. But the first debate we did on Long Island, we have 500 people in this ballroom. And you've got Catholics and you've got Protestants, and you can—it's t- really charged atmosphere, and you can sort of tell that things were—I I don't know—it's it's first time we'd ever done this, and everybody—I I was a little bit worried. Chris was really worried, so he gets up there, and we're, we're starting half an hour late, and he's talking about how so many people had opposed what we were doing and all this stuff, and and so finally uh, he says, in fact. Let me read you an example of just how much people have opposed what we're doing. And he starts into this letter. And I'm going to tell you, this letter was talking about how uh, I hope that you, you, you spiritual Neanderthals crawl back into the caves from which you crawled out of. You're, you're bringing dissension. And it just, just ripped and shredded. And I was... Everybody in the audience is just sitting there with their mouths hanging open and their eyes wide. I, I can remember exactly what it was. And he gets to the second page, and he, it says something about how the world will be better when people like you are simply wiped off the, uh, the, the face of the earth and all the rest of this stuff. And then he says, uh, and P.S., uh, please pick up a gallon of milk on your way home, signed your wife. And the, it was, there was silence and then the place absolutely fell apart, just erupted in laughter when we realized this was actually one big, long, huge joke. And we, he, he got us all. Everybody, nobody saw it coming. Everybody was blindsided. And it sort of helped because it, it sort of got rid of some of the tension beforehand a little bit uh, because you could just tell there was, there was a lot of it. So now most people come, they don't come to listen to the debates anymore. They, they just come for, for Chris's uh, uh, dialogue. So anyway, that's the story of, uh, of how that all started. So, but that's not why you're calling, is it? Well, I do have an idea since you just said that. Uh, what's that? Maybe the next time you're in a hostile Catholic environment in the East, uh, just let him break out that song on the crowd. Yeah. See how that goes. Um, um, you know, we've we've pondered that. We 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 thought about that, and and we sort of dis- decided against it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, he did take some liberties. I think. I mean, the text seems to come directly from Bondage of the Will, from what I can tell. But I think uh, the Actually, translation was very loose. It was very loose, but he wasn't quite as as nasty, to be honest with you, as Luther was a number <laughs> of times. So anyway, you're. Uh, let, I think we've transitioned well enough. No one remembers what we were talking about now. Good. Good. Okay, well, I want to ask you something about this, uh, something I read on your site. Yes, sir. That I, I don't think most people know about. At yes. Least, uh, I wish... I was oblivious to it until one person I know suddenly spiraled headlong into it. And, of course, that is the Mark Carpenter cult. 
<laughs> Mark Carpenter cult. Okay. However many of them there might be, and there can't be many. I really honestly can't imagine that uh, they, they would uh, get a very large hall if they're all to visit together, no. I mean, there's, you know, narrow is the way, and then there's narrow is the way. Yeah, tightrope is the way. I mean, these, so I, so, and it's, and really, you know, we make a lot of jokes about it, <clears throat> but but it's really sad. It because is. Mm-hmm. For those few people who who are, I mean, at least I'm judging by this one guy, who are such um, such usually clear thinking. I mean, solid-minded people who have read all the good stuff, and and that and in a sense, they've he likes them. He likes people who have prepared their mind, who have been trained already on Calvin and the whole tradition and Edwards and. This was the kind of guy who read all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He ate it up. He loved it, and he was very, uh, very committed to the purity of the message, and was uh, and was an evangelist, by the way, a personal evangelist. I mean, very bold and outspoken, and mm. uh, not hyperish in that sense, because he really, I mean, led people to Christ. Then along, then then the deeper he goes, suddenly he finds himself face to face with with the Carpentarian extreme, and. And uh, as you pointed out, you know, Carpenter condemns pretty much everybody but yeah. himself. Yeah, just about. I don't know who makes it. Well, uh, I guess over a period of about six months, this guy was just taken in. Hmm. And now, to talk with him, obviously, is, I mean, completely frustrating. But but to talk with him is, is to talk with Carpenter because everything on Carpenter's website, this guy parrots exactly. All of the, the seven points, you know, that you mm-hmm. mentioned, mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the extra two. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy now believes he was never truly a believer until he understood Carpenter's view. Mm. Even all those years he spent evangelizing people, reading Calvin, knowing the, you know, uh, I mean, reading all of Spurgeon's uh, and Whitfield's sermons and everything, didn't matter. He was lost. He he didn't know the true gospel then because at that point he supposed that there were some people who were, you know, what they call universal Tillman advocates, he supposed at that time that some of those people might actually be saved. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he was lost. Let me and just, uh, let... he's even ta- told people that he led to Christ, that they, Are lost. oops, you're unregenerate. Oh, my. It's really sick. Oh, my. Well, for those, uh, I should have mentioned this earlier, but for those who uh, don't keep up with the blog, I... Uh, I I didn't receive it, but, uh, in fact, interestingly enough, it was Chris Arnzen who received it, received this and sent it to me. Um, Chris Arnzen received an email from uh, Mark Carpenter. Uh, he is the originator, uh, the person running uh, uh, OutsideTheCamp.org, I believe is the, uh, is the mm-hmm. URL. And uh, he is a very, very well-known hyper-Calvinist. He is one of those folks, uh, and, and his brand of hyper-Calvinism is, is primarily uh marked by the idea that if you believe that a a, a quote unquote arminian and and that's a very broad uh utilization that's a very broad term for him uh if you believe a person who does not believe in particular redemption specifically believe in particular redemption can be saved then you yourself are not saved i mean it's it's not just uh, the 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 email basically said that the debate between myself and bill rutland on the subject of um, uh, can a non-Christian enter into heaven is actually going to be a debate between two non-Christians. Uh, that is Bill Rutland and myself. I am not a Christian, even though I hold to uh, all five points of uh, of Calvinism. And uh, uh, we're getting an odd uh, odd tone between us uh, uh, here. We'll. Uh, uh, Charles, uh, let me just mention uh, this real quickly, and we'll get back to your question because it uh, may indicate that we're going to lose your lose your phone line. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, uh, he's saying that we're not. I'm not a believer because of this, and I responded on the blog. If you don't follow that, you might want to take a look at it because I I really 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 dislike uh, hyper Calvinism. I, I dislike having to respond to the constant accusation that anyone who is a Calvinist at all is a hyper Calvinist. That is the uh, that is the standard argumentation that is utilized by people. and uh, But I, I detest it because here are people who should know better. I mean, you're telling me this fellow was very, very well read. He must have heard uh, warnings about this stuff. He, he had read balanced material on it. And yet 
they go off into this stuff and, and it really leaves you wondering what what was missing uh, in the foundation at the start that uh, would lead to that. Yeah, it's really sad because <clears throat> you're exactly right. It, it was a shocker. It was it was it, it, for a lot of people it was stunning that somebody could be taken in, and I think that's why there is a kind of uh, you know I know it's uh, it, maybe the word's overused and it would would really tick ticks people off, but there's a cultic power here that sort of draws the person in and make. You know, and he, they, he likes to use these really lame syllogisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you know, you, you believe that, you, you know, you've seen these, right? Well, a Carpenter included one in his letter. Uh, right. A really lame syllogism there where, uh, you know, well, if this is part of the gospel and this person doesn't believe this, therefore, and it's always, it's never overly lengthy. It's nice and short mm-hmm. and straight to the point and black and white. Exactly. And, and of course, you know, this guy, uh, that's his response to everybody. And, you know, and, and that that tight circle, that sort of idea, only a few of us really get it. This guy's actually contemplated moving it. Carpenter's actually told this guy to disassociate with his family, uh, disassociate with everybody, and, and, and possibly has suggested him to move out hmm. to where he and his family live yeah. in Vermont. That, that sort of even has a strange wilderness compound yeah, feel to yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, you you know, you, you may actually know something about this because uh because I know that you are uh I know that you know um you know the guy out here at the uh at the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Jason Wallace. <laughs> J Wall is what we call him, actually. Uh-huh. The J Wall. And he uh he's familiar with this situation. So <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Uh, yeah. He knows. Yeah. He knows this particular mm. guy too. So well, it, and it's sad in Utah. I mean, we need we need exactly. all the solid people. <laughs> exactly. Here, here's a guy who was a who was an evangelist to Mormons. I yeah. mean, yeah. he was. In fact, he was a plague to Mormons because he was so relentless and you know had such razor sharp uh, you know uh, debating skills with them, almost to a fault. You know, sometimes people saw him coming, they just ran. You mm. know, they didn't want to tangle with him. But now. He's almost given up. You see, it it's obvious by the fruit of it, he no longer evangelizes. I mean, no. not a bit. No. It, unless you want to count um, standing kind of behind a safe wall and lobbying condemnation at fellow Christians, mm. including his own family, his own mm. flesh and blood. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, was, I just appreciated that you put that on there because I thought, who is this guy? Nobody seems to talk about this. And I think uh, through your site and talking about it, we gotta, we got to let people know and really call this thing what it is, yeah. uh, it's just completely, it's totally jacked up. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I I uh, I had someone comment to me that they had never, ever heard of hyper-Calvinism and had never met a hyper-Calvinist and didn't think they actually existed. And I'm like, well... Okay, it, let, let's let's be let's be honest. They are not the largest group on the planet, um, but in uh, in reality, uh, they are there, and they um, unfortunately uh, cause problems to those of us who are seeking to properly present a balanced view of the doctrines of grace. So, uh, thank you very much for your call, sir, and for uh, helping me, uh, Charles, to uh, transition out of <laughs> the uh, Chris Arnzen music. And we're going to go ahead and take our uh, break a little bit late, but. Uh, Come back and uh, have a, a um, postmodern emergent church uh, commentary to read. And then maybe if we don't get any more phone calls, we'll be looking at some more of the Patterson uh, uh, sermon. All depends. 877-753-3341. Be right back. You know, can I manufacture grace for self-denial some religious place by weeping hard on your face or saying prayers? Alaska, the unspoiled land of nature and immensity. Both in its realities and its possibilities, Alaska can stir our hearts and minds like no other place on earth. Join us this summer for the 2005 Alpha and Omega Ministries Alaskan Cruise as we cruise the inside passage to the great land of Alaska with Dr. James White and Christian recording artist Steve Camp as they explore the great doctrine of Sola Scriptura. For our guests, 
The journey north is an odyssey of glorious landscapes and majestic wildlife as we sail on the luxury five-star Sun Princess by towering glaciers into some of the most remarkable points on Earth. All this, and at prices beginning at $624 per person, plus port taxes and fees, half the price of other offerings to Alaska with other groups. Contact us today at aomin.org or at 877-SOV-CRUISE. Answering those who claim that only the King James Version is the Word of God. James White, in his book, The King James Only Controversy, examines allegations that modern translators conspired to corrupt Scripture and lead believers away from true Christian faith. In a readable and responsible style, author James White traces the development of Bible translations, old and new, and investigates the differences between new versions and the authorized version of 1611. You can order your copy of James White's book, The King James Only Controversy, by going to our website at www.aomin.org. The history of the Christian Church pivots on the doctrine of justification by faith. Once the core of the Reformation, the Church today often ignores or misunderstands this foundational doctrine. In his book, The God Who Justifies, theologian James White calls believers to a fresh appreciation of, understanding of, and dedication to the great doctrine of justification and then provides an exegesis of the key scripture texts on this theme. Justification is the heart of the gospel. In today's culture where tolerance is the new absolute, James White proclaims with passion the truth and centrality of the doctrine of justification by faith. Dr. J. Adams says, I lost sleep over this book. I simply couldn't put it down. James White writes the way an exegetically and theologically oriented pastor appreciates. This is no book for casual reading. There is solid meat throughout an outstanding contribution in every sense of the words. The God Who Justifies by Dr. James White. Get your copy today at aomin.org. And welcome back to the Dividing Line, uh, trying to move back into the world of sanity now. And uh, <laughs> I tell you, uh, I hope you noticed uh, the um, our, our beautiful Bahamas-themed Alaskan cruise. <laughs> and uh, uh, please keep something in mind. Today is the 22nd of February. The prices go up on the 1st of March. Now, please remember something. This is one of those horrible months. Uh, where your bills come early and you have less time to pay for them, you know? I mean, you know, let's at least try to be be fair and note that uh, uh, I think we ought to just change the whole calendar and make every month the same same amount, see. But uh, be as it may, uh, that means, if I'm counting correctly, six days, including today. That's not a lot of time. And therefore, we really, 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 really need uh, to get everybody who's been thinking about it on board ASAP, because I guess uh, our ship is filling up quickly. And unlike some of our past uh, <clears throat> situations where we were able to, you know, squeeze folks in and things like that, uh, there's there's going to be limits. On uh, on this trip, as to what we're going to be able to do, and uh, how many people we can squeeze in, and the the rates, and all the rest of that stuff. And so, if you've been thinking about it, now is the time to get it taken care of. Uh, just uh, uh, yeah, we we have the only cabins left. The, the the rest of the ship is sold out. So. It's a it's an incredibly popular uh, cruise, beautiful itinerary, and uh, so if you get on the ship, you got to go through us. So in the next six days, uh, before the prices go up, up, up. So that's uh, that's what's going on. And and, and, uh, and you need to remember when you think about Alaska, okay, you never say it Alaska. the same way. Yeah, yeah, you need to say Alaska. We'll never say it again the same way. No. Never the same again. No. You can't, in fact, you can't say it fast either. You have to say it slow and with a lot of breath. Real breathy. Alaska. 
That's all I had. You know, I we and we love Mike too. <laughs> it's, it's, and and and, you have and, to you, admit, and he talks to you more than he talks to me, so you, you're going to pay for this. Yeah, I know. You, you have to admit, it's probably the only cruise commercial you've ever heard, Alaska, and you feel like you're going to get to go sunning on the beach. <laughs> I I want to be a mouse in the corner when your cell phone I am goes so off. dead. Oh, you are so dead. <laughs> you are you are in a, a historical novelty, a historical artifact right then. <laughs> uh, Just never forget. Did you see what Centurion just Alaska. said in the channel? Yeah, that was almost identical. That was very, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Alaska. I would have to have a little cuddly teddy bear in yeah, front of me yeah, named Alaska to yeah. be able to do it that way. Yeah. That's the only way I could do it, and I don't have one, so <laughs> it, it just doesn't work for me, you know. <sighs> but it's going to be a fantastic cruise, man. It is. Don't forget be. that. <laughs> Except if you come up with missing, we know who to look for. <laughs> Today in the Gulf of Alaska, Michael Fallon was found in a lifeboat uh, trying to get away from the ship after Rich Pierce went missing. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> and you bail out there. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <sighs> it's just one of those days. It's a beautiful day here. It must be what it is. We Phoenicians aren't used to this amount of oxygen in the air. <laughs> because normally, this time of year, the air just gets horrible. It gets real stagnant. We get this inversion layer thing. And we look like uh, he's on the phone. <laughs> we get this inversion layer thing, and you can't see, you know, uh, for a mile or anything like that. But we have gotten so much rain that it is absolutely unbelievable. The air is clean and clear. What, he wants to go on the air now? Does he want to defend himself? Is that is that what it is? Is that what this is all about? <clears throat> so so this is this is actually a call, huh? It's... Mike from Florida. Uh, yeah. Now, I'm trying to bring a little bit of marketing to the table. <laughs> you get abused, you know? I mean, what are you going to do? We oh, love you, geez. Mike. Really, we. I never would have done that, honestly. You know, until. Yeah, I did, but I could not resist. Until that. Rich opened the door, hey, I, that's, had, that's, I had thought that's, of it. But that's I just. the voice that I use to. Uh, to uh, get Crisson and, and Borg on <laughs> Hey, guys. Oh, this is going to be a sweet debate. Did they, did they, did they teach that to you at, at uh, was it, where did you go, FSU? Uh, no, the University of Florida, but that's mainly from my Catholic upbringing. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was maybe some of the voice training that you received there. No, uh, that was usually the voice training that we received when we were in auricular confession. Ah, uh, okay. So, anyway. <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, we pretty well line. we've pretty well blown this one right out of the water. Yeah, what do you think? Sure. You know? yeah. In fact, I think Pete's probably sitting there going, "I shouldn't have fixed that server." <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks, Mike. Mike. I got Enjoy, you. boys. Mike, hey, Mike, Mike. Is, Mike. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this before before yes. the cruise? About the cruise? About, about yeah, Alaska. I, I Rich and James were not kidding. Uh, the the ship is completely sold out except for our our cruise cabins that we have. Mm. So the only way you can book on the cruise right now is to go through Alpha and Omega Ministries. Right. So if, if you wanted to go on this ship during that time, that's the way to get on. And, you know, you've you got to think about that. This is not just Alaska, but you're getting all the apologetics as well as the debate on the ship, yeah. which is something that a lot of people are looking forward to. Well, I've been telling folks about it, uh, but you know how people are. They're procrastinators. And, which, uh, you know, this pretty much means that we have, uh, I think, basically 53 cabins left, and that's it. Wow. So um, as soon as those are sold, we're done. Yep. Well, uh, well, you'll put you'll put together a list uh, for the inevitable cancellations, but that's putting your entire thing on on the basis of somebody else allowing you to go, basically. Correct. And I mean, we can always bump you off or rich or whatever. Oh well, yeah, sure. You know, uh, if, hey, if you want. Well, now do... I'd like to know exactly what do you mean by bump off? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Okay, guys. God bless. (laughs) Okay, let's do something uh, something oddly strange, uh, like something serious here for a second. I I have this uh, little uh, RSS reader program, and uh, one of the blogs that I sort of monitor is a emergent church blog. 
and uh, I was reading uh, a a new post. One of the problems with uh, with this RSS reader is it'll frequently pick up old posts as if they're new. That's the only drawback I've found to it so far. But uh, <clears throat> it's free, and that's a, that's a good thing. But uh, this is uh, from uh, Bob Robinson, and it was posted uh, this morning, about two hours ago. So we are actually right up to the uh, right up to the moment here. Apologetics and theology both need to change. Is the topic. Apologetics is the ready defense that we need to be prepared to give anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect, 1 Peter 3.15. In the past 100 years, this has taken the form of using reason and philosophy and argument to try to help people with modern enlightenment sensibilities to get past their mental stumbling blocks on their way to meeting Jesus Christ. I think since we are entering a postmodern age, that such techniques need to be replaced with a more embodied apologetic displayed in the way we live and love and worship. Theology is our in-house debates, discussions about things we are trying to understand the Bible, things like the nature of God, the end times, Calvinism versus Arminianism, the meaning of the atonement. These are not concerns of those outside the faith, they are concerns of those already in. It is a noble pursuit to seek to more purely understand God, which is what theology is supposed to be. So here's what needs to change. Our apologetics needs to change from a purely reasoned argument though we cannot ditch reason and become unthinking, toward an embodied incarnational apologetic. We still need to know how to answer people's questions, but before that we need to show them that God is real and that living in Christ's kingdom is a superior life that is attractive to the outsider. And our theology needs to change as well, from a purely academic exercise, though we must always love God with our minds, toward an embodied incarnational theology that takes those intellectual concepts and immediately applies them the way we live in the kingdom of God. Theology needs to be moved down from the ivory tower and put on the streets. Theology needs to be figured out, not in isolation by individual scholars, but in community. Now, you might, um, you might be thinking you've heard a lot of that recently. And I hear a lot of people repeating these things endlessly in various contexts. There's no two ways about it. But there was just so much in that that completely goes against everything that I have ever said. And it, 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 I, why is it that emergent church postmodernists have to so poorly represent what they're seeking to differentiate themselves from? Can, isn't, isn't your position unique enough that you can actually accurately represent those of us who are not postmodernists, who do not believe emergent church uh, stuff is uh, is biblical or proper, or that we we should uh, uh, embrace postmodernism, or should should do anything other than call people to to live the way God created them to live, and postmodernism is a worldview that's opposed the image of God created with us. What what? Why not accurately represent what those of us who don't go that direction? Say, isn't, isn't your position significantly unique enough to, to differentiate itself without the misrepresentation? I mean, for example, in the past 100 years, apologetics has taken the form of using reason and philosophy and argument to try to help people with modern enlightenment sensibilities get past their mental stumbling blocks in a way to meet Jesus Christ. Well, maybe. There's, there's, a, there's an element of apologetics that's, that's there, but it's far broader than that, and it's not just modern enlightenment sensibilities. Apologetics involves responding to the attacks of false teachers. Apologetics is found in almost every single book of the New Testament. Uh, It's not just simply uh, been geared toward one particular way of thinking. In fact, since it's biblical, it's always opposed to whatever the prevailing mood of the world is. I mean, when truth wasn't something that was... uh, uh, when, when we didn't believe that the truth could be something that was really known, apologetics was against that. Apologetics was against the idea that uh, that man could figure out all things because we have to be based upon revelation. We are dependent upon revelation, etc., etc., etc. So that just doesn't follow. But notice, uh, notice the descriptions. Theology is said to be our in-house debates and discussions. Wow. 
uh, how about uh, how about that which God has revealed about Himself? How about that which is is derived from a a God honoring reading of the God inspired Scriptures? Uh, what is what I I don't understand this just in house debates and discussions that that is got to be the worst description I've ever heard of theology. I mean, it, it defines that as the nature of God. Is that just an in-house debate? The end times? Okay, I'd put that one in the in-house debate. Calvinism versus Arminianism, the meaning of the atonement, these, these things cannot be determined. Uh, these are not concerns of those outside the faith, that's for sure. Uh, they are concerns of those already in. It is a noble pursuit to seek to more purely understand God, which is what theology is supposed to be. Well, to more purely understand, there isn't a, a theological foundation that every Christian shares together. I would think that there would be. That's why I don't find this description to be overly useful. But that's especially the description here of what needs to change. <clears throat> Our apologetics needs to change from a purely reasoned argument, though we cannot ditch reason and become unthinking, toward an embodied incarnational apologetic. We still need to know how to answer people's questions, but before that we need to show them that God is real and that living in Christ's kingdom is a superior life that is attractive to the outsider. Is this really meant to be seriously suggesting that those who have practiced apologetics prior to postmodernism and the emergent church believe that apologetics is merely the giving of answers that is completely and totally disconnected from how you live your life? I have, a, I have a presentation on Mormonism that I've done in churches for, for uh, coming up fairly soon on two decades, at least 15 years. And right in there is a discussion of how we have to live a life that is consonant, consistent with the apologetic that we offer to Mormonism. That loving God and living in holiness and living under the Lordship of Christ, this is all part and parcel of how we respond to Mormons. Now, how did I do that when I'm not an emergent church guy? This is not what apologetics ever was. Now, there may be somebody out there. I can see that, you know, that some, some person off in some odd place who, who thinks that's all apologetics is and, and that's all that their life is about. Okay, but is, is that actually meant to define what apologetics has been for all of us? Let's remember, to be apologetically minded, to be able to give an answer, that's not only what all Christians are supposed to do in 1 Peter 3.15, that's one of the requirements of the eldership. Is that what all the elders have been doing? Is this disconnectedness between a life that shows them God's real? Now, of course, automatically, I would say, excuse me, but... There's a problem with this entire definition as well when it says that God is real and that living in Christ's kingdom is a superior life that is attractive to the outsider. No, sir. No, sir, I'm sorry. It's not attractive to the outsider. That's one of the biggest problems here. Jesus called the crowds and his disciples to himself and he said, if you want to follow me, you take up your cross and you join the death march. You die daily. You deny self. That is not attractive to the outsider. If by outsider we mean someone who remains outside of Jesus Christ. Only the person who's had that heart of stone taken out, the heart of flesh put in, something that Norman Geisler mocked and chosen but free as a brain transplant, only that person is going to be the type of person who is going to find living in Christ's kingdom which involves taking up the cross and denying self and living by a completely different standard than the world would have us to live by, uh, is going to find that attractive. See, So, uh, two, two problems. A, it's a misrepresentation of apologetics prior to emergent church to say that it's just simply a purely reasoned argument. That's not ever been the case. And no one who is a Reformed apologist, could ever believe that that's what apologetics is about. That's the first thing. Secondly, you don't make dying attractive to a dead man who doesn't know why he needs to die. Okay, you don't make the faith attractive to people, and then they slowly come and meet Jesus. That's, I'm sorry, not the biblical view. 
I, I blogged late last night the, the section from John chapter eight, uh, John chapter nine, and the blind man, and the fact that Jesus said, "I came into this world for judgment, that those who are blind might see, and those who think they see might become blind." Those are not postmodernist concepts. Those are not Pomo words. Those are not emergent words. That's, that's not what Jesus came for. Then theology. Theology needs change from a purely academic exercise. Oh, I just, you know, I know other folks uh, who constantly make the accusation that that's where I am, uh, that's where we are, that's where the old, purely academic exercise. There's, there's no passion, there's no heart, it doesn't touch your life. Uh, theology is just, is, is as, as dry as studying the internal uh, networking connections of a IRC network. Okay, you just sit down with some documents, and this is connected to that, and this command does that, and that's all theology is. And you can just put it aside and go do something else. It doesn't impact your entire life. Baloney. That's that, who really believes that? Have there been people who've lived that way? Yeah, but if you ask them if they believe that, they wouldn't even say they believe that. Even they recognize the imbalance of such a thing. So our theology needs to change as well from a purely academic exercise toward an embodied incarnational theology. What does that mean? Have you read B.B. Warfield? I mean, there, there would be a perfect example. There would be somebody, people would read Warfield. If they don't know anything about the man, and they go, see, see now here's, here is this purely academic exercise. Look at all the big words and... And, uh, you know, uh, the man took care of his ailing wife, his ill wife, for years and years and years and still produced that body of work. What he was writing determined how he lived his life. That's how it has to be. If you're really believing what you're saying, this disconnection can't exist. If it does exist, it indicates there's no spiritual life. I'm not saying anything new. This isn't, this isn't shocking or surprising. We've been saying this all along. Why do these folks have to make it sound like we've never said this? I don't understand it. If your position is, is so anemic and so lacking in, in any meaningful substance to itself that all you can do is sit around and misrepresent other people and say, oh, well, you know, you all just believe it's a purely... What, what, where did you ever get that? Document that. Prove that from something we've written. Don't just sit there and repeat it so often that it becomes a, uh, an axiom that is to be accepted without proof. just amazes me. Theology needs to be moved down from the ivory tower and put on the streets. What do we do on this program every day? We've been doing this long before anybody came up with this emergent church stuff. Of course it needs to be taken. It, it can never just exist in the ivory t- When it exists in the ivory tower alone, it becomes perverted. That, that's why you don't see any of that in New Testament. That, that's why I've, I've attacked that kind of ivory tower theology for a long, long time. And we'll continue to do so. Just don't call me a postmodernist or a supporter of emergent church stuff in the process. Well, it's been an odd one today. <laughs> I think Pete's sitting in Nova Scotia going, man, I shouldn't have reset that server. I shouldn't have done it. But he did, and so it's all his fault. So we will send all of the complaint emails to Pete, and he will go, yep, that makes sense. That's what people do. Thanks, Pete, for getting us up. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you next time on The Divide.
Dividing Line has been brought to you by Alpha and Omega Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, call us at 602-973-4602 or write us at P.O. Box 37106, Phoenix, Arizona, 85069. You can also find us on the World Wide Web at aomin.org. That's A-O-M-I-N dot O-R-G, where you'll find a complete listing of James White's books, tapes, debates, and tracks. Join us again this Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Dividing Line. Just